listening to the podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood, and today on the program, I have Thomas Mancusi. He is the CRO, Chief Revenue Officer at Audio Boom. Super excited for our conversation today. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I've been following you for a long time, so I'm looking forward to this. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm excited because you have been in the podcast ad space for so long. So I know you've got some really great bits of information that you can share with us today. But I wanted to go back. You and I have just been talking a little bit about kind of your evolution in the pod spa- podcast space. But I wanted to go back a little further than that to the beginning of your career, because when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, it shows that you were actually a media buyer at the very yes. beginning before you got sales. And part of that is why I'm into podcasting today. I graduated St. John's University with a criminal justice degree, but didn't trust myself with a gun. So I decided to go into advertising, I wanted to be in the creative aspect of advertising. So I was looking in the New York Times and applied for a job, $18,000 a year. And my first job was at a small advertising agency in Manhattan called Corinthian Media, which is well-known in the radio space. And it was all direct response. So we were buying direct response radio and you get to see the, the lag time and, and the drag and all, all, all the great mechanisms with DR. And what I liked about that was, you know, if your ad works or not. So I transitioned to Ogilvy and Mabel. Did that and was buying campaigns for like BMW and AT&T at the time. And then I kept seeing these salespeople come in with tans and nice dresses or nice suits. And they <laughs> talk about their weekends on their boat and stuff like that. And I was like, I want to do that. So I got into radio sales, worked at the rep firm, Interrep and Cats, and was selling CBS radio stations across the country. And that's another progression into podcasting, why I love podcasting. I was selling live reads for Howard Stern. And it was just such effective advertising. It wasn't the regular 60 radio spot. He would go on for two minutes. He would have the Snapple with him or whatever brand it was at the time. And that, to this day, I keep that in mind with podcasting. And after working there, I progressed into digital. I was one of the first three salespeople at Cats 360, working for Brian Benedict and Kit Gray was there as well. And I was one of the first people to place a rate, or was the first person to ever place an audio ad on Pandora. So at the time, Pandora was just doing pre-roll video and display. And Cats 360 had a relationship with Pandora and an agreement to try to sell audio ads. And that was direct response for a company called Dice.com, which was men 18 to 34 and in a tech space. And this is going back, I don't even know it yet, 2010, <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't know. So it, it worked uh, once again, because it was the first audio ad and they just kept coming back for more. And I don't know, I always gravitated towards direct response as opposed to branding because branding is just the lowest CPM and you know it's not recession proof. And at the end of the day, it's kind of boring. You don't know mm-hmm. what's, what's working. You don't get the feedback like we do in the space that we're currently in. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I mean, I just... I love the progression that you've had in your career. I, I started my career in radio ad sales and 
Then I did that for for several years until I owned my own company. And then I started buying advertising. And I remember, I think it was, it could have even been one of the very first times I sat down with an ad salesperson and I was like, oh, they're not listening to me at all, even though I'm like really telling them what I want. And then I thought back to all of my years selling ads and I was like, I know I did the same thing because I had my manager saying, sell this, sell this, sell this. So I would get in front of the client and I would say, buy this, buy this, even though that wasn't what they wanted to buy. And I really, I knew that I would have been a better ad salesperson if I had started in buying than, you know, than selling. So I thought that that was neat to kind of see the progression. And I also think it's really fascinating that you've had this very strong direct response thread throughout your whole campaign. And I think it's also pretty neat that you feel like direct response is in a lot of ways better than brand advertising. Because I think as an industry, everybody always is just like, let's wait until the brand money comes, right? When the brand money comes, then we'll really yeah. get into our own. But so tell us more about your feelings on brand advertisers. I mean, for years, I've sat on these panels, a podcast movement, whether it was six years ago with Sarah Van Mosel and always pushing back against DAI and really loving the baked in ad that is part of the content and the fabric of the show. I mean, even in my last panel, this past podcast movement, the, the title of the podcast meeting was, can you make more money? with DAI versus baked in ads. I was the, the moderator. I had Brian Barletter for the DAI portion. And then I wanted to have like 30 to 40% of the revenue up there on stage. I didn't get that much, maybe close to it. I had the CEO of Ad Results, Steve Shanks. I had Hillary. Um, why can't I think of Hillary's last Oh, name? Hillary Ross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hillary Ross, whose new title, I think is head of audio and, and video. I had Brittany Clevenger from BetterHelp. And really, it was just a great conversation about the benefits of baked in versus DAI. I believe in DAI for a second catalog. Mm -hmm. To me, the biggest way to maximize the revenue for the podcaster is doing the baked in ad. So it's basically looking at all the analytics of listenership and consumption, concentrating on a episode average that they reach within 60 to 90 days. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, the holy grail of getting the highest CPMs versus $15 and $20 CPMs. I mean, two years ago, my average CPM was so high. It was like 45, 38. The CPM only goes up based on supply and demand for me. Sure. So if it's a new show, it's 18 to $25 CPM. Once I start seeing 35 to 45% of the content being sold, it goes up to 32 to $38 CPM, depending on female host, female skewed format, the duration of the podcast and all that. And then once I start seeing 65 to 75 to 80% sell out, the CPM is getting pushed to 40, 45. Um, Audio Boom prides ourselves on doing the ads in the sweet spot. You know, not pre-roll, not a set mid-roll, not a post-roll. We educate the shows on the best practices. You know, no music beds. No, I'm taking a break right now. Mm-hmm. If, you, if there's a co-host, go back and forth, and make it natural. And that led to when business was better. Most of our shows being sold out, to be honest. Also, when we had fewer ads, maybe four ads as opposed to five ads. But the, I would only allow the buying community once the annual was placed. I would cut off the annuals once my shows were at 50% sold out. And then I would only let the clients buy by quarter. So when I say that, I mean, you know, your top 20% of your shows, that's 80% of your revenue. And we would just allow them, if it was January 1st, you could only buy second quarter. And then I would open up third quarter 
around March 1st. That hurt me last year because of the macroeconomics. I didn't know the whole world was going to fall off in June or July of last year. So I feel like because I was aggressive with that structure and aggressive on the CPM, it kind of hurt us. But moving forward for this year, from what I think is going to happen, I'm not going to be as aggressive. And really what's going on, right? When it comes to price, something that the agencies don't tell you, but obviously if you think about it, it's, it's an issue, is the palatable CPA of the brands has gone down. So what, whether it's their costs for shipping or whether it's the lack of people, no matter what it, their stock is down 80%, whatever that palatable CPA used to be, it's now less. So your CPA almost has to be less. So it's just a different way of looking at it from a strong economy uh, when your shows are in higher demand to a not such a strong economy where you might have some unsold inventory. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought this up because I don't feel like we're talking about it enough in the podcast industry in particular. I think that we've been so gung-ho and everything has been up and up and up. And I mean, I know, you know, like you have talked about that you guys have been able to increase your revenue year over year fairly substantially at Audio Boom. I know at True Native Media, we've been able to do the same and it's a great business to be in. It's a great time to be in this business, but the economy is softening and that is affecting CPMs. It is affecting fill rates. And I think that you're spot on. I mean, advertisers have a lower tolerance um, because they have more, you know, aggressive goals that they're trying to meet just because of the economic, you know, situation. But I also, I guess I also really, this doesn't at all feel to me like it did in 2008. I mean, in 2008, there was such a cliff and I don't, I'm, you know, certainly not an economist and hopefully that cliff isn't, you know, months, weeks away, but it doesn't feel the same. And I do think that as a society, we change so rapidly now. I mean, I, you know, just with the the pandemic, with, you know, just the way that media moves, the way that people purchase products, the way that, you know, even just the pandemic changed so dramatically the way we purchase products. I think all of those things play into the advertising space in a really big way, because typically in a down economy, advertising is one of the first things to get cut. Yes. Um, so what are you seeing? Well, you brought up a great point, 2008. Um, in regards to advertising, though, we're in a different medium than what we were in 2008. True. So I believe this is a more formidable, stronger medium because of the reliance on direct response as opposed to the others. So even though you and I still grew this year, right? Uh, I think Audio Boom, which is a publicly traded company, so you can look up all these numbers eventually, but we will be up something like 44% from last year. Mm -hmm. um, oh no, third quarter, we were up 44. For the year, we'll probably be up something like 25%, 30%. Okay. But that didn't reach the projection then that they thought we were going to hit. So it's not looked at as a good year, but to me, with what we're facing in an economy, we also lost our number one show. This is a show, Morbid, which um, oh, yeah. millions and millions and millions of dollars that we booked through June. And then... You know, we lost that show to Amazon because I think they decided to give it $100 million. So you look at those two factors, um, it, it's definitely made it a difficult year. But if you do the ads properly, which, you know, as we've grown, we've gotten away from because it used to be a smaller company. You had someone watching everything. As you grow and you grow more people and, and those managers leave the everyday job and go up here, 
it's just not the same. But we audit the shows a lot. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear back-to-back ads where, you know, I'm not selling it a back-to-back ad. They're supposed to be on islands or they're just not doing the one-on-ones that we conditioned them to do four or five years ago or three or five years ago. Listen, about the macroeconomics, we all think that everyone's talking about how the recession and something bad is going to happen. So I think we're all wrong usually. Whenever we think something's going to happen, the market usually uh, humbles you. But I still personally feel like the housing market's going to crash. Things are going to happen in China in regards to their real estate investments. And it's no longer just the United States. It's a global economy. So it's very hard to try to figure out what it's going to happen. But I am preparing strategically at Audible for the worst to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's a good way of approaching it. So before we get too deep into the conversation, if people haven't heard of Audioboom, can you just tell us a little bit about the company and what specifically uh, you guys do? Yeah, Audioboom does three things. Audioboom is a hosting platform for over 15,000 shows that pay a monthly subscription to host the platform. Then we are O&O. We create our own podcast and own them and operate them. And then we're simply a monetization platform, which we do with baked-in live reads for the first showing, and then as well as DAI. And we do that for any content that's older than 60 days. And then all those shows that we don't sell as a premium. So out of the 10,000 shows on there, um, you know, you kind of need a minimum 10,000 per episode to get it on my master list. Mm -hmm. And between the U.S. and the U.K., we have about 260 shows that we sell baked in ads for. And then the rest is done throughout Marketplace, which is partnering with a bunch of TSPs and SSPs. And that has grown exponentially over the last few years. People didn't do it right away because the tech wasn't there, to be honest with you. Uh, But now that the tech is there, we've seen great growth year over year on that marketplace. But the baked in ads still make up about 74% of the revenue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's um, And that's great to hear that it's about 74% of the revenue. So I'm curious with your ads and, you know, um, I never know how how commonly used this term is, but with the shows that we represent, if we've got ads that are coming out in their first run, you know, inventory, right? They're coming out in their their regular episodes, but then they're converting to DAI after a certain number of days. We usually call those faked in because we are, you know, using the dynamic in yeah. insertion technology to put the ads in there so that they can then very easily be removed. And I'm just I'm just kind of curious since it sounds like you really are very um, you know, passionate about baked in ads and their performance. And I don't disagree with you. They do perform really well. But is that how you guys are doing it as well? And is there like a certain yeah. time frame that you're leaving the ads in? Yes, we leave all ads. And in the shows that we sell out of the 250 that we do baked in ads, they stay for 90 days. And then our CTO, Jonathan Del Struther, is brilliant. He has built technology called AdRip. And on the 91st day, the ads come out automatically. So they can hit that that programmatic bucket. But your question, I believe, is more about back catalog host reads. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I w- you you answered my question in that. Okay. I guess I was I just was curious because I feel like there is, you know, there are certainly lots of insertion orders that we receive where yeah. they're like, "Hey, this ad's going to be in there for the rest of our lives." Yeah, we don't do that anymore. So, yes. like, I don't even write evergreen anymore. I don't believe in it. 
um, always used to believe it, but now that the tech has met, right? it's like, okay, now it's time to play the game. First window is 60, 90 days, TV kind of sell. I mean, at Audio Boom, when I tell you we've written off less than 100,000 a year because of delivery, we don't, I don't, that's not my jam. Mm -hmm. You're buying a show. If it doesn't deliver, we're going to look at the network of shows. So if Stamps bought 25 shows and one of the shows didn't deliver, no, we're going to look at all the shows, look at the whole delivery, and then decide if there should be a, a make good. But we only do make goods for response. I don't do it for under delivery because mm -hmm. it's just, you know, we, we made an estimate and under delivery, they don't even ask. I'm not selling that. I gave you a no charge. Then, so it's more of a TV sell. Um, mm -hmm. at first window and listen, if you just did baked in versus DAI and you're a podcaster, you're going to lose a lot of money by just doing DAI. And it's because of the way the nature of the content being consumed right off the bat, 78% is probably in the U S or 85% in the U S you're going to miss 15%, right? Cause when you baked in ads, a lot of these clients are convertible in Canada, Australia, UK. I work with, you know, better help is one. HelloFresh is another. So you could just go down and they all do it. So I, I do usually estimate that number off of the per episode, the one that's out of the country. But if it's off by a little, it's not a big deal. But if you're doing DAI, you've lost 13% or 15% because of your geo. And we all know in the podcast space from your own listening consumption or the Spotify or the Apple dashboard, that about 75%, 65% of people get to the last bit of content, 70%. So if you have an ad role, an ad spot in that third or fourth position or fourth or fifth position, that's after 75% of the content, the baked in ad you're getting, because it's the TV cell, are maximizing the revenue. Yeah. Now you're talking about another 30% that don't hear those last two ads for DAI. So you're losing about 36% of your dollars or 40% of your potential revenue. Mm -hmm. Now the baked in, if you're smart, how do you offset that fact that the later position might not be heard? Every order you get, audio boom sells on a fair and equal rotation. So there's, you know, sometimes they're going to be in number one slot, number two slot, some three, some four, some five. But overall, the effectiveness of the baked in ad is in the earlier slots is going to offset the one that might not have been heard in the fifth before. Right, right. I love that. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, which I think you're you're obviously getting into right now, is that you, you know, say on LinkedIn in your profile that you guys have really come up with a unique ad model compared to your competitors. So I'm so curious about it because I think that one of the things that can be strange about the podcast industry is that while it's a really wonderful community of people and creators and, you know, industry leaders, it feels like everybody does things just slightly different. And I think that that, especially for ad buyers, that that can be kind of challenging where it's like, oh, well, you use this word over here. You know, like I said, faked in, like, you yeah. know, like, is that a, a word everybody's using or is that just a word that a few people are using? And what does that mean? And I feel like so often people come up with like vocabulary lists, like here, this is what these things mean. But every company seems like they do things just slightly different. So I guess I'm just kind of curious, like what your unique model is and how you see that comparing to your competitors. Yeah, the unique model is sticking to the old and true, what, what has worked. Mm -hmm. And just because companies like Spotify and Odyssey and SiriusXM get into it and they don't want to do the baked in ad because it's much easier just to sell as one audio right. across the streaming and the podcasting. 
So it's not that the buyers or the clients that have been supporting this model through their paid advertisement dollars are looking for DAI. It's just that you're finding these big corporations who are either digital audio based or terrestrial radio based who rather just sell it the easy way through a, a, a computer system and sell it for one audio unit. But then that just makes the you know the podcast listening not you know when you hear a radio ad and it, it's not it's not as efficient. So what makes um, audio boom differently is the education to the hosts on how to do the ads. Mm-hmm. The day we sign a show, so everybody knows there's a big disconnect between biz dev when they sign a show, and then when they sell the show and they don't get their first check for two months, and you know why is it the pricing? So the first thing that we've done at Audio Boom, we close that gap. So Paul DeLaurentis, the head of sales, the VP of sales, and Jordan M. Show, a seller, get on the phone with every podcaster the week after they get signed. We explain how we're going to do it. We send them the best practices on how to do the ads. And now we're going to price low in the beginning because we want to get on the dashboards of ad results and all the, and baritone and right side up and strategic media, adopt the media. Once you do good for that first brand, then all the other brands come. We basically tell people we, we want all of our ads to run with between 10 and 80% of the content. That's where they are. Traditionally, none of them are back-to-back, unless it's a proven performer who's been selling out for the last three or four years and they want to do back-to-back ads, that's fine. 85% of the shows do not run a pre-roll. So just having that as your sweet spot of ads in a DR world makes a world of, makes a world of difference. It makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So we, we do have them do, on the average, about a 90-second ad. Mm-hmm. And then it's the pricing structure. So the, the ad model, it's all based on supply and demand. Just, you know, I don't go to the market at $40 CPM for a show I've never sold before. It starts low and then you find that sweet spot to increase. The, that, and then when we're doing DAI, because now that, that also has a lot to do with ad effectiveness. I mean, I just looked at Magellan and one of my competitors ran three ads in the same, in the same episode. And it's happening every time, whether Balletta wrote about it and sounds, sounds profitable a few weeks ago. And there's one reason for that. It's just because there's no one by 24 tracking pixel on the technology of the RSS feed. So how you sell it, I don't care how you sell it or buy it, but how you enter it into the system has to be one way. At the end of the day, you should never sell a pre-mid-roll rotator because yeah. the system's not smart enough yeah. to recognize the pre versus the mid. If you have two pre's and four mids, if you're going to do that faked in post read ad, the way you do it properly is you just identify pre roll one or your mid roll position one or mid roll position two, and you run it at 100%. You can't have it running across the four mid roll units and put it in as a mid roll. It has to be a mid roll, and you have to identify the position for it. So, I mean, those are the few ways we do it for baked in and also DAI, which I think makes the ad effectiveness better, which, you know, those top five agencies, I know what my share is. My share of all the dollars they spend is even, it's in the top three every time. Mm-hmm. Audible was not even, you know, probably a top nine if you combine the pod track and try and rank it to one. We might be seventh or sixth or eighth or ninth, depending. And what we're doing is getting our own fair share of the dollars because of the ad effectiveness and the, and the correct pricing. So you're saying like in terms of like, show popularity and show size that you're ranking at seven, but in terms of the percentage of revenue you're getting, you're getting like the top 3%. So like, it's- well, I say, yeah, I say that. And when I say that, I'm talking about the direct response. Sure. 
you know, the yeah. $3 CPM at one of these traditional radio agencies, I'm getting anyway due to DSP and the other stuff. They're not really buying host live reads. Um, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm curious what your thoughts are about just advertisers buying multiple spots within a podcast. I feel like I, I haven't had a lot of requests for that, but just in the last few months, I feel like we've had more and more yeah. where, you know, an agency will come and say, we want a pre-roll and a mid-roll. And I'm so nervous about even just trying to sell that because I feel yeah. like it's oversaturation. So we've done it. Um, there's three brands that I could think of that are doing it, tested it, and mm-hmm. now now did it last year. Mm-hmm. And then part of the upfronts when you're speaking to the client, um, I found that, that that that's the most effective efficient way for them they're getting they're seeing a better roi on that on their end but when i say pre-roll i don't do like a 60 right do a name and claim so you're now listening to blah 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 blah, brought to you by by. daily harvest better help so that opening makes this the the baked in read more responsive i guess is what they're seeing on their end um something that i'm waiting for a brand to do and i ask them all you have the sonic identifiers, right? Sonic branding abilities, whether it's quack, quack, the Aflac duck or whatever you want. That's a unit that I need, that I believe should be de- being used. Whether that's at the opening and, and, you know, so it doesn't sound like that radio billboard, 15 second, almost make it subliminal and just brought to you by, you know, something like that. So that's something I'm pushing to be able to add a unit that doesn't take away from the response of the other units. Mm-hmm. Of units, excuse me. But yeah, as long as it's a 10 to 15 second in the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. and, and another ad, I believe in that. Anything else, 260s, anything like that, a 30 and a 60, I don't believe. Okay. That makes, I think that makes total sense. And I love the idea of sonic identifiers. I really don't think that we do that nearly enough in podcasts. And I don't remember what I was listening to the other day, but I heard, you know, one of those and I was like, oh, we need more of that in podcasting because. It just instantly brings you to that brand and yeah. and mentally that's so important because I think especially with host red ads, there is there's so much uniqueness about them. There's so much personality and connection between the host and the audience. But I do I do worry sometimes about are we are we doing a good enough job of like actually communicating the brand? Like after the person has heard the ad. Do they remember that that was HelloFresh or that was BetterHelp? And I think if we could do more sonic identifiers, I think that that would be helpful. Now, granted, if every single advertiser had one, that might be a little overkill, right? But um, I think that for the top brands, it would be really interesting to see what it would be like to have them play with that and to, you know, just see if that created more effectiveness for them. Yeah, I've been asking all the brands and the last call last week was ShipStation mm-hmm. and they never had one, but they're actually coming out with one in January with their TV commercials. So they're thinking about maybe testing it, but um, those that I that do have it should be using it. It's another way of effective advertising. You're not ruining the listening experience like some others. A lot of the, a lot of the issue in podcasting today is, I mean, Tom Webster wrote about it this morning is the amount of units like yeah. so i mean we were in radio right they became 15 minutes of commercials then i was in selling pandora audio or or, or 
internet radio stations and they used to have one ad an hour and now they have four an hour. And podcasting, when I first got into it, it was like, you know, one or two ads, maybe three max. And then over the years, I added a unit and it became four. And then I added another unit, it became five. We don't, you know, we don't run a lot of units. So that's part of the other ad effectiveness is I'd rather sell four units at a $35 CPM than five units at a $20 CPM. Because mm-hmm. one's 120, 130, the other one's only 100. So what we're seeing with my competitors that are big traditional radio companies, and they rely on DAI because they only rely on what the backfill from these DSPs are, they're adding seven units or eight units. We tried at Audioboom to keep it to 12 minutes of content for every one ad. 12 minutes of content for every ad. Okay, I like that. Um, because well, to 15, it used to be, but now it's yeah. becoming harder and harder. And right. ahead of the biggest issues, I shouldn't just blame it on the radio companies. It's these agents. Once the agents got involved, yep. the agents had to go up because they're asking for a ridiculous amount of money and they're multiplying it on like six to seven units. And it's like right. nobody sells out 100% of seven units at a CPM that's going to make the show, you know, make your money back for that minimum guarantee that you have to give the talent. Right, right. I actually was just talking to Gabriel from Edison Research this morning, yeah. and we Hello? were talking about the um, the super users ad study that that Ad Results commissioned with them, and we were talking about this very point that there is too much ad saturation. And one of the things that that he talked about, you know, in our interview, and I know he also talked about in, in Dallas, was that you know this is following the same path as radio, and nobody really wants to recreate that. And yet the podcasters and I, I mean, I know that it's it's the agents, but it's also the podcasters. They really want lots of ads in their shows. And I mean, we really have to hold I, them. Really, you, see, I don't I, I feel like we have to ask the podcasters when I sell them out. We reach out to them and say, can we add a fifth, fifth spot? But I don't see them wanting seven ads. It depends. It depends. So some shows are like, I don't want like two ads is all I can yeah. do. And then I'm like, oh, come on. Like we got we to all make a little money here. Like let's put some ads in there. On the flip side, I think what what is always the root of this is that they've talked to somebody else in the industry who was like, oh, you could put seven in. If you came no. work with us, we'd put seven in. And I'm like, well, go work with them because we're going to put seven in. It's too many. Like it's no one is winning. You're nobody wins. No nobody one wins. wins. DPM goes down. Right. The effectiveness of the ad goes down. They don't make you're not maximizing your potential revenue when you have seven ads. Right. You, you have to keep it to a one for every eleven to fifteen minutes. They got to be spaced. They can't be back to back. What I get passionate about in this space is watching these. I can't tell you how many podcasters I've seen over the last 10, 11 years. Where they're doing it out of their closet. One of the, you know, I'll use morbid example. One's a, a beautician, the other is a, a mortician. And, you know, I remember them coming in and showing them how I get to the CPM and how I'm taking their audience. And I see the audience growing and this is your rate. And then you take the rev share off and this is what you're making per spot. And then they retire. <laughs> they, they no longer work and now they're making millions just, you know, in a studio. And that, whether it's them or all the other shows where, you know, they thank us at the end of the year and they came to Audio Boom two years ago and they've never made so much money in podcasting. You know, the show's only doing 40,000 per episode, but for them to take out that their time to do that is really what drives me because 
you know, when you worked at CBS or you worked at another company or buying, you, you didn't know who you were affecting livelihoods. Right. Here, we're actually affecting lives. And I'm not saying we're a doctor or a teacher in any manner. I, we're a sale, I'm a sales guy. But if at least I can sell things and see it affect someone else's livelihood and go from, you know, doing what they what was a hobby to doing what they love is part of the love that I have for the space. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And we work with all independent podcast creators at True Native. And it is really neat to be able to say like, oh, this money that we're sending you is going to like take care of your family and like yeah. pay your bills. And like, it's neat to be able to really make that connection because it doesn't feel like, you know, like I know who we're working with and I know the impact that we're having on their lives as opposed to like some bigger, you know, corporation where there isn't that connection. And and for me, it all gets back to that at the end of the day in this industry. And what I know we all really want to preserve is just that that connection between people that is so strong right now. And and it's hard because the bigger you get and the more corporate dollars you get, the less that all just, you know, gets diluted. And it's not that we don't want any of that. Like, of course, we need that. We want to grow as an industry. Um, but it's you know, keeping that connection and keeping the relationship is the cornerstone of, I think, why a lot of us are here. And so I feel like it's really important. And I, I think it's neat that that's a passion of yours as well. And you, you bring up a great point, like podcasting. It's a very nice space. Like radio was so competitive. You hated your, your competition. Um, you didn't want to talk to them, even though maybe they were friends years ago. Half my friends are my competitors, right. like in the space. Like we've grown up in this space. We've always helped each other. And to this day, can't tell you how many people I sit, you know, once a week for like an hour, whether they're starting their own shop or they're a tech company getting into the space. And it's just everyone helps each other. And it's, and it's a very kind space as well, which is, you know, unique. And no one knows how long that will last. I know. <laughs> I think you're right. No one knows for how long that will last. And I think it's nice while we have it. I've, and I feel like I've seen it definitely shift over the last it's couple of years. Like you can just feel it's just like, oh, you're my competitor. I'm not going to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, really? Because we used to always talk to each other. Yeah. So, but you know, it is, it is what it is. So let's see here in terms of your predictions. So you've been in this space for a long time. You've seen a lot of growth. You know, none of us has a crystal ball, but what are you yeah. predicting for the industry? Well, it's, it's going to grow. It's going to forever grow. But I think the listening experiences are going to be what it used to be due to the dilution of ads. I think these tech companies or these radio and traditional companies or Amazon, whoever they are, if they're not doing the baked in ad, they're going to lose money. So they're losing money already, whether it's the, you know, two or three years ago, all of it's very cyclical. Um, the MGs were too high. There were MGs these companies were taking, whether they're taking one of my shows, were high. But on top of that, then they tried to do DAI. And the MG was baked on the previous company that they were at that was doing baked in. So all these big companies are losing on their MGs. So I actually think it's going to be cyclical. I think you already have Stitcher going back to baked in ads on some of their properties. I'm hearing Wondering might be doing it as well. But because of the high MGs and the move to DAI, you're going to see some of these companies that decided to do just DAI go back to the ads. The rev shares are going to, with the talent, when I first got into this, it was 50-50. You know, somewhere 20-80 now. And 
80 in favor of the. So it's going to be very hard for the podcast companies to become profitable. You know, Audiboom is profitable. But if you looked at Gimlet Media before Spotify bought it, they were like a month out of about, about to go out of business. Um, well, they even said it on their, their podcast. So a lot of companies are going to start losing money. The MGs, the talent, are going to decrease. Um, the rev shares are going to be still continue, just like it happened in radio, to be in favor of the content provider. And I think we're going to have a mixed year next year. Mm-hmm. But after after 2024, it, you'll start seeing the exponential growth. I agree. Might be, it might be double digits between mm-hmm. now and Q3 of next year. But I'm preparing for that. I'm pricing low. And if the economy turns around, I'm going to bring an old radio terminology into podcasting called, oh, I bumped your spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I talked to um, Audio Hook the other day and, you know, I'm I'm excited to explore more kind of real-time bidding and even like looking at like direct sales and programmatic because I mean the reality is is that whoever wants to pay the most should get their spot run right and I think that you know that that should be the case really I mean obviously from a manual perspective for embedded ads as as for dynamic too so we'll see we'll see but I I do agree with your predictions and we'll have to see, you know, we'll have to see how things, things play out. It's, I think that's part of the fun of being in the industry is just watching what's going to happen. And I really hope that 2023, it's, it's so challenging, especially like if I'm in other like bigger business, you know, communities to be like, yeah, instead of a 76% increase this year, we're only going to increase by 40%. And they're like, oh yeah, cry me a river. Thanks. You know? (laughs) So I mean, like, it is it is hard, you know. We don't we don't take enough we don't take enough pride in in what we do every day, and I mean that oh. at the whole space, right? Yeah. For years we were saying, you know, for podcasting we need branding done, but you you never needed it. This is you know we have we have agencies we're selling out the best shows. You know, it's always at a twenty eighty rule in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. The top twenty percent of the shows are going to be eighty yeah. percent. And those and and those are going to sell out. They're going to do great. If you do it the right way, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, we've launched, you know, Audio Boom in the UK. It's a UK company, but doing the ads the right way, and it was just basically like doing what the US what we did in 2012 and 13. Now doing in the UK, so I think the UK is becoming more mature. I believe more quickly. It was it was harder. harder. It, there's no live read radio. Oh, really? I did not know that. So it, it, fascinating. it's fascinating. Yep. And it's still like I have 100% revenue in the UK, 20% comes from the agencies here. So ShipStation is buying that, Babel mm-hmm. buying that. So then the next 60 to 70% is all direct. And then the 10% is agencies in the UK. Fascinating. I don't waste my time with agencies. Because they just don't get it. No, you don't have to, right? The beauty of podcasting is the ROI. So whether it's Latin America, which I think will be next, mm-hmm. um, get away from these DAI ads, mm-hmm. do it the old school way. Mm-hmm. And that's how you're going to grow the medium in regards to revenue. If we go back to 2012 and Stitch, and uh, all those companies just did DAI, mm-hmm. we would have never saw the consumption equate the revenue. It would have been consumption, consumption, revenue, revenue. And that's and that's that's what you don't want, right? So I think uh, the UK is mature. If anybody wants to create an advertising agency in the UK for podcasting specifically, huge hole. 
because right now you could waste a year talking to one of the radio agencies, or you could just go direct to every e-commerce brand who cares about ROI. And you look at two titles on LinkedIn, customer acquisition and growth hacker. You don't go to the CMO. I don't go to the marketing guy. You go to the digital guy who cares about ROI. Yeah. And if you just do that in the UK or the US, I mean, US, we're lucky now because we have yeah. the data that do it for us. But Latin America is the same issue. It's all run by radio companies, both content and the advertising. And it will change. I think uh, Latin America is something podcast networks will be focusing on greatly over the next few years. Yeah. That'll be one other prediction. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, Thomas, this has been a terrific conversation. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on the show. Um, if people want to connect with you, where is a good place for them to find you? Oh, um, Thomas said, what Okay, perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you for being on the show. And thank you for having me. It was great speaking with you and have a wonderful day. Thanks. You too. All and right, thank well. you for listening. I hope the episode has been uh, one that you have enjoyed. And if you were interested in learning more about podcast advertising, please head on over to truenativemedia.com and we will catch you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast advertising industry. 